Ladies and gents, thanks for joining us on an episode of the Landlord Page podcast. We are joined this week by Andy Mead, otherwise known as New Homes Expert. We're going to talk about what's going on from a developing point of view, what the builders are thinking. Andy's always king of the stats as well. He's got a few breathtaking stats for us on this episode, I would have thought. So it's, it's all about brand and then product. And that's one thing that I think a lot of developers miss out on is understanding that people need to know what they're buying before they're buying. Yeah. And if they know what they're buying before they're buying, you know, you can use Nike as an example. Nike don't necessarily have to promote themselves. They just promote the product now because people automatically know what a Nike shoe is going to be. It's going to last however long. Um, but it's it's the middle of May already and I can't believe it. So it's, it's the time when people start doing things in the property market. It feels more stable and we're going to get stuck into that today. I'm joined with Mike, but first of all, I'm coming to you, Andy. How is business? How is life? How are new homes? Uh, new homes are developers are panicking. Okay. There's a problem with planning. There's a big bunghole of planning issues. Did you say, did bung, you say bunghole. bunghole or bumhole? Bunghole, B-U-N-G. Is okay. that a technical <laughs> new homes term? Uh, it just dictates whether I put explicit on the, yeah, no, no, on no. the edit for this no, podcast. No, no, it's just a bung, a bung of planning applications which are just causing issues left, right and centre throughout. Okay, so the they're panicking the because they've got land they own, but it's yeah. not going to be able to be built on because the planning officers are causing a problem. Yeah, and I think the planning officers are getting a bit of a raw deal because everyone blames the planning officers, but it's more of the committees. Um What's the difference between the two? Let's explain it for people. Uh, a planning officer is the one that puts the the planning together in terms of the council for the council, mm -hmm. uh, and he advises whether it's a an approval or a rejection, and then the committee have to say yay or nay. Okay. Um, I was talking to a developer yesterday, and not in this area, and they were saying that they he was talking to his planning officer. And he'd, he'd recommended a site for approval. It was only for, I think it was 18 houses. And he went to committee and the committee didn't want to approve it. And they were actually asking the planning officer who was recommending it for approval based on all the legal arguments that had been put forward. They were asking him how they can reject it. Okay. So because they didn't want it to go ahead. So pre-opinion led, yeah. rather than yeah, research rather, led. rather than rather than fact led, yeah. Um, and he, the the guy said the planning officer actually said to me, he said, with hindsight, we shouldn't have brought it to committee so close to the local authority elections because they're all looking at just winning votes. And sounds like than, a shady crime movie that's come out at the cinema, doesn't it? It's like you think it, the jury's been been opinion led rather than actually factually led. It kind of feels like that, really. Oh yeah, and I think I think it's well known in the industry that it's it's how the committee feel on the day of the, the application. It's got nothing to do with the application. Mm. Very rarely has it got anything to do with the application. And it's I don't know if anybody's watched uh, Clarkson's Farm, but you know that's a prime example of what he had to go through, the hoops he had to go through, still to get planning not approved. And it's just ridiculous what even a little path on his farm they mm. they refused that when no other farmer in the world or the the Western Hemisphere has ever been refused a path on their farm. It does seem very backwards, the whole planning process. It is. I mean, there's, there's, there's an authority local to us where we, we the developer who we were acting for, he had um, full planning permission for six houses, but the parking was a complete mishmash. 
So they they reapplied for planning to change the parking. Now this wasn't to increase the parking. There was no increase in the parking. It was just literally to change the configuration of the parking spaces. Mm. Six and a half months to go through the planning process to get approval. And they hadn't even added a planet, uh, an actual space. It was there, just... there was no additional spaces. <laughs> it was literally just changing it from vertical to horizontal. Sounds like me drawing a floor plan, Mike. <laughs> the time scale, yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's baffling, isn't it? We had um, Lee Curtis from Kirtland Developments on a couple yeah. of weeks ago. He was pulling his hair out for the same reason from, from a planning point of view, just really felt that it was causing people, when you go back to the full circle and everyone's talking about there's not enough homes, there's not enough developments, there's not enough property being built, there hasn't been for the last 20 years, prices are, were getting out of control, so we need more supply. And you go right back to the cause of the problem and you kind of almost identify this and say, well, if we can't build because all the way back to the councils and this area of things are stopping from the building happening, well, we're never going to solve that problem, are we, Mike? I don't think. No, it's just it needs an overhaul. I don't know how to overhaul it. And like you say, it's it's at what point, what's causing the hold up, what's calling, causing the bunghole? Andy, <laughs> see now I'm using it. You're yeah. you're a bit freaked yeah. out by it, but it's it's like you say, it's it's the silly things, those sorts of planning matters where you want to change parking from horizontal to vertical, vertical to horizontal, should be in and out stamped and and done. Yeah. Like this is a common sense matter, not a planning matter. Nothing material is changing. It's it's purely it's better for the access to the site. So just stamp it and move on without having to go through reams and reams of bureaucracy, surely. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think, I think the problem is, is that a lot of the committee, and this might, this might ruffle a few feathers, but they are old duffers. And, you know, they, people need to live in houses. People need to buy houses. People need to build houses for those people that haven't got houses or want to better themselves to get into houses. And the only way they're going to do that is by passing the uh, the application. Mm. Now, I get not every application needs to be approved because some applications are ridiculous. Trying to build a thousand houses in a in an area where there's only three hundred houses, it's, yes, that's going to cause issues. But when you're looking at smaller land infill on on areas where they're just plots of land that are doing nothing, um, it just doesn't make any sense for the whole system to be so so draconian. Yeah. It, it is a frustration, and, and I know Lee, like I say, was pulling his hair out. Is there enough land to build on? You know, is the problem in the UK that we're, we're overpopulated by sites? And that's a loaded <laughs> question, knowing that you know the answer to it. But, you know, is, is that the problem? Because some people do still think that. They think, oh, we don't need any more houses in this town. NIMBY. Mm. Not in my backyard. As... You said that, not me. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. There, there is. Um, I think if you looked at the the land stats for the UK for the whole of the UK, I think there is something like twenty two percent is developed. That leaves my very basic maths seventy eight percent undeveloped as farmland, woodland, heathland, golf courses. Um, so no, we're not overdeveloped at all. That mm. you've got if you drive from. If you, I mean, I did this the other day. I drove. I did. Some, I was doing some work up in Leicester, and I drove from Wokingham to Leicester. And the amount of countryside you drive through, and that's only halfway up the country. Yeah, just down a, a, a short corridor, mm. and it's just, it's just, it, it baffles me that you get these people that say there's, you know, there, 
that there's we, we build too much and there's too much going on when there isn't. So for the developers themselves, for the new homes, you know, um, developers, when I was talking to you probably four or five months ago, we were talking about the fact that going into 2023, they'd effectively just sort of just put the brakes on a little bit just to see what was going to happen, to see what was going to happen with the market. And they maybe had, they maybe kind of pushed a few launch dates back a little bit just to see what was going on. Um, cost of materials was having obviously a huge impact mm. in, in their profit margins. But how has that element of things changed? Putting the planning co- topic to one side, because we can't solve that on this podcast as much as we love to, but for the developers themselves or what they've got to play with, are you seeing more sites launching now? Are they selling as well or are they struggling? What's the general kind of topic of combo there? No, they're selling. They are still selling. And that's that's the good thing is that new homes will always sell because of you know the need for people to better themselves or wanting a new, wanting a new property. There was a the there was a concern in I think we spoke in January, January, February time when some of the big guys said they weren't going to start building some of the stuff they'd earmarked to start. Mm. Now, a lot of the press jumped on that and said, well, they're stopping building. Well, they weren't stopping building because they still had each company, each had 10, 12 sites that they were continuing to build. They just weren't starting new stuff, Mm. which my understanding on speaking to two or three of them is that they are now starting to roll out the build of the of the new development of the newer developments and start start the the infrastructure process so i think they've realized that the market isn't going to be as bad as or isn't as bad as everybody was expecting it to be november december january yeah um and i think you see that in the the right move stats zoopla stats that you know houses house prices are starting to to increase they did last month rental values have obviously gone through the ceiling um so the market is still there and it's just it's it's a case of being positive but a case of being optimistic in terms of what's going on and not being we're never going to get to the point where we were in 2020 late 2020 and 2021 yeah when the market just literally flew a rocket yeah, it went crazy didn't it um yeah. so yeah we're never going to get to that stage but achieved prices aren't actually any lesser than they were two years ago but asking prices have come down and that's the problem is that you see this stat saying the house prices are going to drop 10%. Well, actually, asking prices have come down about 10% because they were asking silly prices for them last year. Yeah. So, yeah, so um, the market is good. The market is strong. The housing market is strong. But we just need more new homes because so there is a shortage of new homes within the area. And I'm, and I'm, I, my prediction is that the the number of units this year is going to be massively lower than 2021 22 and 2020 2021 in terms of transactions overall in terms of built terms built. of terms of yeah. actual built units handed yeah. over units so in 2020 so 2020 2021 there was 216,490 net additional dwellings in the UK which actually was an 11% decrease compared to 2019 2020 2021 2022 saw 232,710 dwellings, which was a 6.8% increase. But I think 2022, 2023, we're going to see that massively decrease. So, could house builders build quicker if they wanted to? I feel like when I had a bit more hair and I was a bit younger, that housing developments used to go up quicker than they do now. There's a lot more regulation now, and there's a a lot more in terms of um, quality control. Um, 
yeah, I don't disagree. Ten years ago, a house would go up in three, four months. Um, but then you had the likes of ex-developer, their customer care score was literally horrendously low because they were handing over poor units. Mm-hmm. Um, the internet, Facebook has eradicated that because they get a bad name. So they're now having to, and especially now with the new building regulations that have come into place over the last four or five years, the quality of what they're having to deliver is far more better than it was six, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago. And that takes time to, to, to get that rather than just chucking it up. They're having to take a bit of time to do it and do it properly. Sorry, I'm having a chuckle to myself inside <laughs> over here because I'm watching Ozart on Netflix at the moment. And um, when you were talking about that, it just made me think of money laundering <laughs> <laughs> because that's exactly what's going on there. But it's not for this podcast. It was making me chuckle anyway. Um, if you want to tune into a money laundering, money laundering <laughs> podcast, give us, give us two weeks and we'll find someone. I'm not for one minute <laughs> suggesting that's what's going on with developers, but it is on Ozart if you haven't watched that. Check it out on Netflix it's good um side combo then on the developer aspect of things with new homes i've always felt because i've been in residential sales so new homes for me were competition for my buyers you know when i was a negotiator it was my job was to sell my clients properties and if they were viewing a new home my argument was to talk them out of a new home that was just how we were brought up as agents. Now, as I became a business owner, I looked at it totally different because the, the developer is my client and the seller is my client. And the way that I kind of always looked at it was, okay, maybe the new home's more expensive, but it's because it's brand new. And also because there's a load of um, features, incentives, and factors that make it more appealing that you can't get from a residential secondhand purchase. But at the moment, there isn't a huge amount of those incentives available. Is there any sign of something getting brought in by the government to make things a little bit better there? Do we do we know of any? Not that I've heard of. I, mean, I, I, I honestly thought help to buy would be extended because it is such a massive yeah. um, factor, not only in the in in the housing market, but in the whole economy. Yeah. You know, that was I think we've spoken about this before, it's about ten ten thousand pounds for every new home sale goes back into the economy. So if you think you're we're selling two hundred thousand homes, new homes every year, or renting to well, up to two hundred thousand new homes every year buying and buying and renting, you know, that's two hundred thousand times ten thousand is two hundred lots of Money. Many, many monies. <laughs> many, many monies going into the economy. Yeah. Yeah. So so it made sense. It makes sense to do it. And the amount of the amount of transactions that were used to help to buy, I think the last county is well over three hundred and twenty five thousand people um had benefited from the help to buy scheme. So um but as it stands at the moment, there's there's no whisper, there's no talk on the horizon no. about anything going on, which is a real shame because it's it helps the first time buyers. You know, there are other there are other schemes available, um, which if you look on my website, www.meadnewhomes.co.uk, there is a link to all the government schemes that you can buy. Well, that's a handy place. We'll put, we'll put the link in the notes yeah. for that. And there's some great stats there. If I was a radio DJ, I'd press the little bomb button there. Because <laughs> there, there is some, it's interesting though. You know, that's interesting for me because we're looking at an average year, you'd see 1.2 million transactions happen across the average year, 100,000 a month 
last year because of the stamp duty kind of craziness that happened. It was just over 1.5 and this year expectancy just shy of a million. But you can see that that will impact the economy. You know, if we're talking whatever that number is, it's over 20%, you know, in terms of, or just under 20% in terms of extra transactions going on. New homes for me feels the way that we could get that beefed back up a little bit. We can add some more rentals to the starving rental market of supply because tenants are really, really struggling out there. And if we had more new homes coming in and more incentives for not necessarily help to buy, that would definitely help first time buyers, but some more good opportunities for landlords in the new homes game, then you get the, you know, the whole economy turning, you get more supply for tenants. It looks like it's a, it's a, it's just a nicer wheel that goes round. But at the moment it's, it's starved of landlord properties it's starved of new homes a little bit the data says as of may when i just did my numbers that we've got 65 percent more properties for sale compared to last year but we've still got less supply for sale than we had pre-pandemic so if we look at nine 2019 as a as a mirror year for 2023 there's less stock and there's 16 percent more buyer demand at the moment so we're still in a a pendulum shift of supply versus demand in general. Mm. And it, it just feels like new homes would be a great way to to fill that void a little bit, but there's no incentive. It's harder for the the land and planning to get approved. And for whatever reason, it, it, I guess it's the, the regulations and the speed of getting materials, but it seems slower to build as well. So, you know, that's a bit of a frustration in round. Yeah, material material procurement is is still an issue, um, which unfortunately, because of supply and demand, material cost materials has gone up. Um, so therefore, it's making the build more expensive. Um, but the developers, they develop homes, they build homes. That's what they want to do. That's what they need to do for mm. them to, to carry on trading. Yeah. Um, it's not as if they've got a sidearm where they can go and become road sweepers for a, for a couple of months. They have to build houses yeah. um, and they have to keep their workforce employed. Otherwise, that's what closes the companies down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and the small to medium developers, they are the ones that are struggling at the moment in terms of this bunghole where you know they want to keep their staff employed. They want to keep the people that they've got and the contractors they've got that they're using um, in business. And until that happens, you know, there's, there is that dark cloud on the horizon that, you know, you could see some of these smaller companies going under because they've just got nothing to produce, mm-hmm. um, which is which is a massive frustration. And, you know, talking about the rental side of things, you know, brand new homes, because of their energy, energy efficiency, they tend to achieve higher rental values than the standard second-hand home. Yeah. So why would you stop? Why would you stop people doing this? Why, why would you stop the process working? Why would you stop the wheel from turning? It, yeah. just, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, and it's especially the councils where they're you know they're all moaning that they're they're on the verge of being bankrupt. They're all moaning that you know they haven't got the money for this and money for that. And you drive around the roads, and every five minutes, every five yards, you're going down a bloody great big pothole. Um, but you know, if they allowed these planning applications to go through, they're going to get the section one hundred six payments. They're going to get the council tax um, when the people have moved in. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, it just doesn't make sense. It's just, I can't, I thought long and hard and I've sat in my garden many and many an evening thinking, how can we change it? And I haven't got the answers apart from get people who understand and they want to know, want to understand and they want the projects to work. Yeah. It's that cycle of, you know, where you say with the councils, if they don't want to spend 
money on full or more planning officers because that's what Lee was talking about is the a big problem that he's got is a lot of the planning officers, it's a part-time gig, yeah. you know, they're, they're two days a week type people. They're at the, the latter end of their careers more often than not. It's not a new kind of, it's not a new progressive career that you see people coming out of university and go, right, I'm going to be a planning officer for the next 35 years and climb the ladder. It, it seems like it's not that. So that cycle of that approval, the green light, like you say, is slowing up everything and that affects the council down the end in terms of their revenue. Um, you should drive around Crowthorne at the moment. There's just roadworks everywhere. So they've, oh, obviously, I, 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 they've obviously got some cash in, in their pot because you can't drive around any of the roads over there. But, you know, it, it does feel like the only way to get the answer is to speed up that initial process. And I don't know, I... I don't know whether privatizing it in somehow, I don't know how that would work, but privatizing it and having a business actually take control of the planning and the committee element of things and take it off the people that are looking at it opinion led and actually look at it from the the national perspective rather than the villagers perspective. Yeah. And it feels like if that was brought into play, everyone wins because everyone makes money out of it. The public win because the supply improves, the market continues but the risk of doing that probably means somewhere along the line someone's got a problem with it as, as as always happens but it would seem like the fastest way to get the green light on these things it's just the logistics of who how and when is so far away that it's just not going to happen yeah <laughs> i feel i don't want to i don't want to beat up on the um the planning officers because invariably i think it's it's not down to them 20% uh, sorry 80% of the time yeah it's down to the committees yeah and the committee don't get it. And, you know, we, where I live, I've, I've bought and live in a new homes development that was built six, seven years ago. And there was a, a planning application came around to build on some piece of land around the corner. The amount of objections that went on the Facebook group about the audacity of a developer wanting to build homes. And even my wife says, she goes, but what are those people living in? A new home that was built five five years ago. Yeah, and you know, unfortunately, if you're going to live on a, if you're going to buy on a new homes development, the chances are they're going to extend it. They're going to they're going to they're going to increase it. Yeah, because they've got the footprint there to do what they need to do. It just doesn't make sense to me, and it's just as you say, you go back to the the NIMBY's not in my borough or whatever it's. Backyard. backyard, in my backyard. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you bought a brand new home. Yes. Yeah. 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 I'm I'm fully on board with that is five years ago you lived on a this was a field that you're now living on but you're offended yeah. that someone wants to build on the next field I, I live in an area that was built in the 90s and all round my area there's a ring road and there was four branches to the roundabout three were built off and one was blocked and it baffles me that people are now shocked that that is being built on <laughs> so the infrastructure <laughs> was there the junction is there with a block on it just to say we're going to build on that at some point and people were still objecting it it's like how mm. how it just just blows my mind some i i get some and i don't get others there's 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 an area between Bracknell and Maidenhead that developer tried to build 3000 houses on and it was just totally out of keeping totally out of the blue yeah. to build on farmland between two towns totally bonkers but when it's an extension to a a site yeah it just it just sometimes it's a bit bit crazy isn't it i think a lot of it is just it's, it's a tick box exercise isn't it and it's it's it surprises me that I'll go back to the Clarkson thing. These committee members were actually overjoyed that they 
didn't approve his application, and it was like they, you know, they'd, they'd won, and it's just like, but you've won for what reason? To benefit you or to benefit somebody that that was then going to help out mm. six or seven other farmers in the in the in that location by what he was planning to do? Yeah, bringing more money to the community. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just oh, well. it, is, it is baffling, but I, I think that's the world we live in. Unfortunately, yeah. two types of people: people that are able to see the bigger picture and the why. And then there's people that just it's just it's them. a game. Yeah. yeah, it's just a yeah. game. It's like just just destroying someone else's plans as a game for certain personalities. It's a shame, but it is the world that we live in, you know. Oh, it's, it is massively and it's you know, it's like, you know, you can look at Labour and Conservative and the Lib Dems and one would put an idea together and regardless of how good that idea may be, the other two would just reject it and yeah. say, No, no, I'm not doing that. And it could be one or the other putting it forward. Mm -hmm. I I was about to call on politics here because we're in between two general elections. There's a massive tax grab going on for obvious reasons. And are we in that position where they're not going to bother with a new help to buy scheme? They're not going to bother with a new vote winner because they are so far away from a general election. There's no need to give anything away. And when we come 18 months from an election, are we going to start seeing incentives and and things thrown as vote winners for either landlords buying new homes or new home buyers or developers particularly? Developers have always been incentivized by a conservative government. It's been pulled at the moment. Will it go back in when the conservatives need to to rally and and win some votes? My favourite was was this morning or yesterday morning – Labour have suggested that to make it illegal for anyone but first-time buyers to buy new homes. I dropped that <laughs> on you in the kitchen. So, new homes for first-time buyers only. Uh, that strikes me as a bit discriminatory. <laughs> yeah. So, if you've got four, I'm not ch- sure if you need to just jump to the bit bit. Yeah, <laughs> just is. That's crazy. Yeah, that's absolutely crazy. Yeah, so, then- so, so we're going to build some new homes, but if you've got four kids, you can't buy one. Hmm. because you won't be a first-time buyer, or the chances are you won't be a first-time buyer. And if you're downsizing to release a four-bed detached family home in a perfect school catchment that the whole community are desperate for, so you're going to release that to a new family to grow into and downsize to your two-bed terrace, you can't do it either. I mean, it's just it's mind-blowing that that sort of thing even hits the media or thought about in conversation. But, but, you, but you, would, you would have hoped that the think tank of labor would have sat around a table like we are now and whoever came up with a bright idea whether it would whoever it was would have said i know what let's make it illegal for anybody apart from first-time buyers to buy a house you would have thought at least one of the 12 other people sat around that table would have said "Eh, i'm not sure that's a good idea I mean, I'm in the marketing game and I love a bit of clickbait. I can't get my head around how that benefits anyone in red whatsoever. All it does is make you look very stupid. Like surely to to me, it's like we know Labour are kicking at open goals at the moment and uh, and they're very much hitting it over the bar. What's the the future for new homes, Andy? What's what's the future? I mean, we we know how this year is going to pan out most likely as we've had this conversation already on this podcast it it will we expect it to be a bit of stability as we go towards you know christmas and and the next what seven months um but what do we think for the bigger picture what's the next year to three years look like in the new homes world i know it's hard thing to answer but what's your thoughts um i think it's going to get better um it's going to go by the end of this year it would have gone gone backwards just purely because of the planning issues um, but I think going into 2024, 25, you will start to see that 
um, the the applications will start to come through because there there'll just be too much need for it. There'll be too much there'll be too much too much pe- too many people understanding that because we're not building, the economy's not moving, mm-hmm. and that's what needs to happen. They need to get the economy moving. Yeah, and whether that's conservatives in power or Labour in power or Lib Dems or whoever else, you know, they need to get the economy moving. And the best way to get the economy moving is to build. So, you know, if you think of when how many people are involved in a, uh, a house build, literally from the point of the land sale up until the people moving in, and then those people moving in going out to Carews or PC World or sofa world or whatever you know that's what keeps the economy going mm-hmm. and it's it just needs to happen and there's 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 the want and the desire to keep building homes but unfortunately the want and the desire is negated by the planning committees that are just saying no 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 at the moment yeah it is mind-blowing isn't it when you actually really get into the detail and talk about it because we all live our own little lives and we're kind of you know we, we have a little whinge about this that and the other but when when we break down in this land and new homes world as we've done with yourself and with lee it's um it's eye-opening right mike in terms of why we are in the place we are i mean i'm i'm getting my garden landscaped at the moment and we my wife got six landscape gardeners out to get a quote back from them is is bloody impossible one quote we've had back and that was these people came over three or four weeks ago so people in the trades are flat out busy out there i mean you know it from lettings maintenance it, it is active and and going on there we need obviously more people in that area but from an economy point of view nothing can have a bigger impact than you know a, a a big well-planned development taking place in your town is going to cause only good things to other resales, the economy, people moving in, maybe a new school comes from it as well, new block of shops, new jobs, blah, 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 blah. Everything just impacts from from that kind of, you know, five, 1500 unit site that's just been built on the edge of your town. It's only good things when you actually look at it. But, you know, we, we just want to see more options, don't we really? Massive, yeah, and I think, I think the scary thing is that we're, we're three fairly intellectual guys. Thanks, Andy. Thank oh, you. No worries. I said, I've got my fingers crossed. We are, we are three fairly intellectual guys that run our own businesses that can see the need for what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. The scary thing is that the people that don't see the need for it or are so blinkered in terms of they want to get a pat on the back from their neighbour because they've refused that. But actually, long term, it's going to have a massive detriment to the area. Mm-hmm. Um so it's just I just I don't get it I just don't get it. But yeah. I, I, I'm confident that over the next eighteen months you will start to see the 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 want and desire is a much stronger power than the nimbyism. Yeah, I mean the pat on the back for the neighbour is short sighted to the neighbour's son or daughter that's going to have to move. 25 miles away and have grandkids away from that neighbor because they can't afford to live in the area because there's not enough properties for them to buy and there's no incentive for them to take a new home in the local area so the whole short-sighted kind of life cycle wheel if you like is is broken from from those little decisions we could talk about all day and i'd love to um what would be the advice that you would give an investor looking to buy a new home at the moment. And I know on your website, um, meadnewhomes.co.uk, you've got loads of guides and advice for people, a lot driven by um, first-time buyers. But a lot of people that listen to this as well, Andy, are people that want to build one for twos. You know, they want to 
they want to do a bit of development work and, and maybe try and find a plot or a bungalow and either turn it into a, a nice big new home or try and turn it into semis. There's a lot of people listening that, that love that element of things. But what advice would you give to the property investor out there? Uh, the property investor is, I would be very, very wary about building your own if you haven't done it before. Um, because you need to know exactly what's going on because it is a money pit or it can be a money pit if you don't know what you're doing. Um, to find a bungalow or a single piece of land, I think you're better off buying a lottery ticket on Friday night. Um, because, <laughs> many of those out there. <laughs> because they're just, they're just so few and far between. And the ones that do come available, if they do sell, the chances are somebody's paid over the odds for it. Um, that they're going to buy it to live in it themselves. Mm. So the ones where you, I mean, I had a chat with a guy that um, he found me up with some advice a couple of months ago about buying a single plot of land. And I said, look, I said, unless you've got a, an endless pot of money, just forget it for a while because there is just nothing around. And when, if there is something comes available, you've then got to look at materials, you've then got to look at getting the people to build it. You've then got to get to look at then, you know, you've, you've said it just by getting bloody garden sorted out, mm. you know, and that's, you know, the, the garden's the last thing you look at doing when you're building a house. You know, you've got everything else beforehand. So the single plots uh, are few and far between. Um, advice I can give to um, investors, just be wary of where you're buying. Look at what you're buying. Look at the look at the area. Look at what's around. But also look at sale and leaseback options. So if a developer's buying a, building a brand-new development of – 100 houses, 200 houses, they're going to want to have show homes that they're going to want to keep for a year, two years, maybe three years, however long it takes to build that development. And invariably, those developers will sell the houses on a sale and leaseback option where you're guaranteed to lease it out to that, back to the developer to use as their show home. So you get the house back pretty much as a show home apart from people walking through it. Nobody's been living in it. Um, so they're always good options. Look at sale and leaseback options. Yeah. Um, and... Um, if it fits you and, it, and it's right for you, then it's going to be right. Sometimes that convenience, you know, you're talking yeah. about it there to actually to buy the refurb, to buy the flattened down bungalow and build something on the timescales of getting the planning, the timescales of, of owning that property. Actually, if you want to make your money work quicker, sometimes it's the convenience of buying the plug and play option. There's no better plug and play option than a new build out there. And, you know, there is options for people to go to these developments, like you say, either at the beginning on the show home and, and look at that. It's a great tip. It's a great advice. Or on the back end, you know, when the roof's on, the stock's ready, yeah. they want to move it on and it's vacant and you can complete on it in 28 days. Well, then there's a deal to be done nine times out of 10 at that point as well. So the sort of front back option of those developments is where an investor can capitalize. Um, for the developers listening, small, medium and large, Andy, what would you say is the best advice to, to find out more about yourself and obviously what you do as a business here at Me New Homes? Uh, look at my website. There's an awful lot of information on my website about what we do. Um, but my ethos is, is not just promoting the product, it's promoting the brand. So it's if you're building in an area where you haven't built before or you're not necessarily known, how are you going to get people to know who who you are before you start building, which is key to any marketing campaign? You build trust for them. Yeah. So you so you you're, you're doing my marketing campaigns will be based around the developer rather than the development, mm -hmm. what they've done, what the history is, what awards they've won, how good they've been, what you know accreditations they've got. So then, when they start building, people automatically through the social media marketing know 
Bill and Bob builders. They know who they are. They know what they've done. They know they've built a 17-unit site down the road. They know they've built 15 units 50 miles away, and all the reviews are brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's all about brand and then product. And that's one thing that I think a lot of developers miss out on is understanding that people need to know what they're buying before they're buying. Yeah. And if they know what they're buying before they're buying, you know, you can use Nike as an example. Nike don't necessarily have to promote themselves. They just promote the product now because people automatically know what a Nike shoe is going to be. It's going to last however long. Well, they bring an athlete in as well, you know, and I think developers often feel with the communities they're they're fighting a war. But what you're basically suggesting is you're going to stop the war from even happening by just bringing some personal and um, development brand to the party so that it makes it easier for the future relationship with the local community. And I think it's quite unique. So, you know, if you are a developer listening or you want to be a developer listening, get in contact with Andy. If you've got sites that you're thinking of launching um, or you're going through the planning process at the moment, potentially, or more likely, <laughs> then have a chat with Andy about how your brand can start to be positively implemented into the local community um, because Andy would be a great person to talk to on that. And thank you very much for coming on the podcast and sharing your pearls of wisdom no worries thank you for having me been a pleasure as always i'm flicking through youtube and through spotify i don't think there's a podcast or a video channel on youtube that landlords can land on where they're not being sold something i mean it'd be the first time any estate agents ever asked that question but why not ask that question to a wider audience they just have the knowledge there but they don't seem to share it you can do different episodes based around someone that wants an exit plan or someone that's just starting their portfolio the rules change every year yeah but why not just open the floor out and just say well is property even the best investment out there and tax advice is a big thing, especially with everything that's changed, capital gains yeah. tax, and obviously your stamp duty costs that you need to pay and whatnot. People don't realise what they need to prepare for. We build a podcast, and we build a YouTube channel, somewhere that landlords can go and they feel they're not being sold to, but they're just getting quality advice.